Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Let Me Tell You. This is a new bespoke podcast series from the Irish Examiner with me, Danny McConnell. In this series, we're taking a look at some of the most dramatic moments in recent Irish political history, but from the unique perspective of one of the key players. This week, we look at the circumstances of how current Taoiseach Micheál Martin moved to take out his own then-party leader, Brian Cowan, in 2011. It was his move against Brian Cowan which ultimately led him to taking over the party just a few days later. With me to discuss those dramatic events and his role in it is former Fianna Fáil Minister and current Ireland South MEP Billy Kelleher. Billy, before we get into it, uh, we have a short clip here just to set the scene of, of those highly dramatic days. We'll take a quick listen. Well, I'm, I'm not aware of it, nor is Noel, and uh, I've spoken to Brian Lennon today. Last week it was denied, now it's official. The Irish government has asked the European Union for financial aid to tackle its banking and budget crisis. In around September, October 2010, this was a banking system that was having a cardiac arrest. All your answers to do with your own Brian Cowell's culpability for the disaster that has happened in this country. At no stage have you acknowledged that you are the person now still holding public office who has more, most culpability for screwing up this country. I don't accept that, Vincent, at all, and I will defend my position. I don't accept your contention, the premise to your question, that, you, that I am the bogeyman that you're looking for. Billy Keller, it was an extraordinary period in Irish history. The, the IMF bailout had just happened. And, you know, it must have been an extraordinarily difficult time to be not only a Fianna Fáil TD, but a government minister. What was the mindset for you and your colleagues at that time? Well, it was very traumatic. It was traumatic for the nation. Um, the IMF had just come to town. Um, you know, the government was under huge political pressure. The Green Party had indicated that there was no uh, a, a termination of that government's uh, lifetime. Uh, so we all knew that politically, you know, uh, from the Fianna Fáil perspective, it was going to be an exceptionally difficult election that we would be entering into. But I mean, that had been almost parked. It was almost accepted that that would be the case. And primarily, I think most TDs inside in Dáil Éireann, particularly around the time of the IMF, the emergency budgets, for example, you know, were really focused on doing what they believed was the right thing to do in terms of the cuts to public expenditure and just making sure that that programme that was being presented uh, to the people by the EU Commission and by the IMF and by the ECB, you know, would actually be adopted. And that really was, uh, I think, the role of most TDs. But beyond that, we knew that we were facing an election that would have a catastrophic effect on Fianna Fáil in terms of, of, of uh, the number of TDs that would be returned. And you were getting a very hostile reaction from the public. I, I remember speaking to a lot of your colleagues at the time saying they were almost not afraid to go out, but you were certainly amending your normal routines, really, for fear of interacting with hostile people in the public on the street, really, weren't you? Yes, I mean, you know, it it had come to the stage where uh, Fianna Fáil uh, ministers, TDs, uh, you know, going out, interacting with the public was becoming very difficult. Uh, there was actually an increase in security uh, details to ministers, ministers of state. Uh, that certainly was, um, you know, something that indicated that there was a lot of hostility. Very understandable at the time. I mean, this was a fundamental breach in terms of a government having to, you know, uh, accept... Uh, the aid of others uh, to fund the, the, the programme itself. 
but it was hostile and there was um, you know attacks on uh, ministers TDs um, you know I certainly would have uh, been assaulted myself on at least one occasion uh, fairly severely assaulted mm. and you know you didn't report at the time um, because you just felt there was would be no understanding of it yeah. and you didn't want to encourage copycat elements as well and you know it just we knew that there wasn't going to be an awful lot of understanding and we weren't expecting sympathy but that was experienced by an awful lot of deputies and to the fact where uh, some deputies had to take their children out of schools uh, that they were attending um, or ministers and um, you know you wouldn't go out in, in a family circumstance as well particularly in the evenings um, you know in, into pubs or things like that uh, you were inclined to avoid those mm. uh, not for the fear but just knowing that if your, pr your presence was there it would just you know agitate people and you didn't want to compromise uh, yourself as a as a public representative in terms of being in a, in a position where uh, there might be you know a, a, a fracas breakout mm. effectively. Since the I think below par interview that Brian Cowan had given in in Galway that previous September before the, even the IMF bailout, there had been a lot of mutterings around a Brian Lennon heave, you know, a move against Brian Cowan and all that. But the reason we're talking to you today is that you were one of the key people who moved or went to Michal Martin, encouraging him to essentially move against Brian Cowan. But that was over that Christmas period. You might just tell us about a bit about that. Yes, well, it was very evident that we were facing to an election in early 2011. Um, I had come to the conclusion that uh, Fianna Fáil was going to be decimated. Um, you know, I didn't need to be a political scientist or just uh, a person, any observer would have known that was the case. The polling data was showing that we were consistently in in, in the low uh, double figures, 12, 13, 14 percent. Um, I just felt we were hemorrhaging uh, in terms of just having any capacity uh, to fight an election. So uh, I did a lot of uh, soul searching for myself in terms of, you know, what should the party do to try and at least keep some critical mass, uh, you know, so that we could at least present some capability during the election itself. And I rang Hall Martin just after Christmas, probably the 24th or the 28th, 29th of, um, of December of 2010, uh, you know, saying that I wanted to speak to him. And um, he, he came to my house um, either that day or, or, or very soon after that. And we spent a long time discussing all the issues. I have to say at the outset, I mean, he wasn't, you know, really wanting to move. Mm. Um, you know, we had to sort of encourage to a certain extent. Because he's a notoriously cautious man, isn't he? Like he like, yes, he's cautious yeah. by, and he, he doesn't like confrontation. Mm. Uh, and inevitably, it was going to be confrontational. You know, uh, Brian Kong was a sitting Taoiseach. Uh, he had a lot of friends in the party. Uh, he'd been through a very turbulent time himself. Uh, Brian Lenehan uh, was the uh, Minister for Finance. It had just broken that he had uh, very serious health issues uh, at the time, uh, around Christmas week. So, uh, you know, Brian Lennon would have also been a person that, you know, people were looking towards maybe uh, as a person that might um, challenge for the leadership. And this was all based on the fact that we knew an election was coming very, very quickly. Mm. So this wasn't something that could uh, you know, be delayed or we could prevaricate. We had to make uh, decisions quickly. I personally felt that um, Michal Martin was best positioned uh, maybe to try and hold some core Fianna Fáil vote. And that's why I um, rang him. He came to the house. We spent uh, four or five hours in my front uh, room. Uh, you know, we drank copious amounts of cups of tea. Uh, we had a couple of sandwiches and we sat down and we just went through where we were as a party, mm. where we were as a country as well. And bear in mind, it wasn't just about the country as well, but trying to go out and campaign um, with that hostility uh, and presenting, uh, you know, what many people would have believed were the people that were ultimately responsible would have, in my view, been uh, very, very difficult from the party perspective and would really put the public in a very difficult position as well. Do you get the sense that he was having those sort of chats with 
many others or just the fact that, you know, maybe you were allies in Cork, etc. like that? Or or what was your take from his reaction to your canvassing of him? Well, I certainly would have been one of the first that would have uh, directly approached him. Uh, I know that others would have been thinking of that as well. Um, you know, the, the two uh, people that were most obvious in people's minds would have been Brian Lennon, Michal Martin, um, Mary Hannafin, uh, to a certain extent at the time as well. But they were the two names that were most spoken about. But then the issue around Brian uh, Lennon's health came mm. came to being, and that created, you know, it was quite traumatic for yes. not just uh, Brian himself and his family, but also for the party. You're looking at a potential uh, uh, leadership, uh, and then all of a sudden you find that somebody uh, is is very ill. So they they were the that was the background. But um, yeah, I was one of the first ones to approach me. All as I said, he wasn't really, you know, planning or plotting there was more people went to him initially rather yeah. than he going around canvassing support. Because let's put it in perspective, he had ha- he and his family had just had a very traumatic tragedy. His daughter Lena had just died a number of weeks beforehand and there may have been an awful lot of people thinking if he was one of the people to bow out of politics at that stage, no one really could have blamed him. But yet he decided to go completely the other way and consider taking taking a leadership position. Yes, he had his own tragedies as well and as you said, they were very close uh, to that uh, that time as well. Uh, and... You know, a lot of people said at the time, if Michal Martin walked from politics, because at the time, many people were, it was rumoured that many people were going to walk mm. or may not even contest. That unfolded later on, but you, you'd hear murmurings around that some people may not be contesting the next general election and all of that. But uh, from Michal's perspective, once I think a number of TDs, and, and I, he did say to me once, he said, look, when people like me, which would be, uh, you know, a person that wasn't trying to create trouble for the party, wasn't trying to create trouble for the leadership, but was just looking at it purely from the objective view of how could we keep Fianna Fáil uh, alive during this election. Uh, and that was the big step was to how we could go out, campaign with some legitimacy mm. uh, and that the public would actually at least listen to us mm. or, you know, but we weren't looking for forgiveness. Yeah. We knew we were going to, you know, get get a, a, a very de- severe political beating yeah. but we felt that we had to go out and at least advocate uh, and, sh- and and show that Fianna Fáil was willing to listen was willing to engage and was willing to understand and listen to the concerns of the public Michal Martin clearly did listen to you because our second clip here will tell us show us that he moved on a, that Sunday or the following Sunday he declared his intention to essentially vote, put a motion of no confidence down in, in Brian County let's take a listen I reluctantly concluded that in these circumstances Fianna Fáil could change its leader before the election and I have informed the people about this view. Having talked to most members of the parliamentary party, and indeed many members of the party across the country, I believe that this is a widely held view. A widely held view, Billy, was, would you think it was that at that stage? It was a widely held view. Um, obviously, there was loyalty to the, the Taoiseach and the leader of the party at the time, uh, Brian Cowan. Um, uh, I spoke on that motion of no confidence. Uh, I was the first to speak, uh, actually, in the parliamentary party. It was very difficult. Uh, you know, because the, the party had been through a traumatic time. The mm. leader was going through a traumatic time, um, you know, I, I, in the political upheaval of all of that. Uh, but um, I can distinctly remember th- those particular hours and days as being the most traumatic uh, in terms of just seeing a party, knowing that it was going to, you know, really um, struggle in the next election. And what we didn't want to do was then start tearing ourselves apart with yeah. what was left of the party. And that's why I was hoping that we could have a reasonably seamless, painless transfer of, uh, of of leadership and you know ultimately it did happen now some of those circumstances were outside of the control of those that were involved in it uh, due to the fact there was a political or party reshuffle yeah, we, and, we'll, and we'll get, we'll, we'll and get, get onto that in due course but in terms of so 
Michal obviously comes out and said he's no confidence in Brian Cowan. Brian Cowan then takes to the phones and gets John Maloney and others to his house to basically rally the troops. You probably, I presume he, you were one of the people he rang. What did he say to you? Well, in fact, I, I'd already informed the, the Taoiseach. I was a Minister of State. And in advance of that uh, this, uh, debate in the parliamentary party, I had gone to the Taoiseach Brian Cowan to offer my resignation as Minister of State. I felt that if I was going to speak at the parliamentary party that I couldn't go there and, you know, just express no confidence in the person who had appointed me. Yeah. And um, I, I was very clear on that. Uh, and he said to me, you know, look, Bill, he says, we don't have to go down that road. You know, um, we can resolve these issues without people resigning. And he asked me not to tender uh, my resignation. He says to go away. He says, I understand your views um, and we can air them. Uh, in the parliamentary party, we can have that discussion without the need to resign. But, um, you know, I went back to my uh, office and that was, um, you know, knowing that I would have to go back to that party room that night mm-hmm. and uh, speak, uh, asking the teacher to step down. And talk to me about that night, because uh, when you look back on it now, it's extraordinary that after the Gargalgate interview, as, as, as it became so-called, given Simon Coveney's tweet, you know, alleging that Brian Cam was halfway between drunk and hungover, the IMF bailout, the USC fiasco, you had, you know, the medical cards issue, you'd had a battering over the previous two and a half years. But still on a two-to-one basis, your party voted confidence in Brian Cowan. Most people would think that's extraordinary. Yeah, it was extraordinary. And, I, you know, I mean, you have to go into the room. Um, you're sitting down next to friends and colleagues. Uh, many people just in, in Fianna Fáil have just this ingrained loyalty to the leader of the day. It's just something that's in our DNA for, for many, many uh, generations of, 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 of politics. So um, it, it's always difficult uh, to get people to do what they're expressing privately in terms of voting uh, against a sitting leader and, and the Taoiseach of the day. Uh, and yes, um, I can remember Brian uh, Lenehan uh, in fact, I think he was in Belfast and he, he rang me on, on the way down saying, uh, you know, look, we'll have to do something. We can't go into um, the next election uh, as we are. Mm. Uh, but he knew full well I was supporting Michal Martin, but he just said that we have to make some move somewhere along the line. Uh, subsequently, of course, he came into the parliamentary party and, you know, made a, made a rallying cry speech for um, Brian for, for Brian Cohn. But... Um, that was um, a very traumatic time for all of us. But at the end of the day, you know, we knew that um, this was only short term. Okay. Even but that cult were... of loyalty, though, you know, I mean, I, I've heard others speak about it within Fianna Fáil, that loyalty to the leader, even when you're facing the very clear challenges that you were. And you had a real opportunity to make a change, to try and salvage whatever. And yet still, in such large numbers, you, you, stay, you, straight, you stayed loyal to the leader. It's just, it is incredible, really, when, when you think of it. It, it is. And uh, I, I spoke at that uh, meeting. I, I asked the Taoiseach, uh, to, obviously, to res- uh, consider his position to resign, uh, to make sure that, you know, the, the new party leader could have a, at least an opportunity to implement a manifesto, to draft a manifesto. Bearing in mind our manifesto was effectively the programme the four-year four four programme year program yeah. had been the, the plan for national recovery. That was our manifesto. But I felt that, you know, it would have been very difficult to advocate for support for the party uh, with the leadership uh, that was there around the four-year plan. And that at least, uh, you know, if we made a change, it might bring some new uh, dynamic to the party which was really, really struggling just in its basic ability to function as a political party. Now, Micheál Martin's Way did not prevail that night and we, we have a clip of him here on the plinth that night essentially tending his resignation as Minister for Foreign Affairs. Over recent days we've had a, an intense discussion about the future of Fianna Fáil 
and whether we are going to campaign energetically in the coming general election. As I said on Sunday, I was determined uh, that we would go through this process in a different way from normal leadership votes. I was not interested in tearing anyone down, and I believe we have proven that we can disagree without being destructive. We've had a mature and positive debate leading to a clear resolution. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Given the history of leadership ease in Fianna Fáil in the past, the fact that it was a secret ballot and not an open vote, the fact that, I suppose, there was this absence of rancour at a time of such, you know, crisis for the country. I mean, was that a mark of Brian Cowan's style of leadership or was that just a bit of, you know, the way Michal Martin did his business? But they, they managed to do it. There wasn't the major kind of rancour or divisions that, you know, that divided your party for so long in, in previous decades. Yeah, what was fascinating about that particular night as well, and I can distinctly remember uh, Michal Martin giving that press conference uh, out in the corner of the plent. Uh, I had decided that I would have to, you know, go back to... Brian Cohn and offer my resignation. I said it to Michal and Michal said quite clearly, he said, look, he says, we, uh, I have to go. But he says, if you go and others go that spoke uh, against um, uh, Brian Cohn, well, then he says, you know, cabinet ministers are going to have to start resigning. So the government would probably implode mm. in the next number of hours or days. And bear in mind where we were uh, from the point of view of just the country itself, no matter how unstable we were politically, at least there had to be some form of a government uh, functioning at that time. And, you know, we had planned to have an election in February or March of that year anyway. So, you know, the idea that we would bring it forward would really have undermined any bit of credibility that that was left or shreds of it. So, but the the debate inside in the parliamentary party was without rancour being quite truthful. Mm. That was one of the the most amazing things. But deep down, look, most people knew that the public were watching us um, and the idea that we would, you know, be trying to fight for the spoils of government um, would have been, uh, you know, to say the very least, uh, very tacky and very tardy. Mm. Having having succeeded in seeing off the challenge, what happened in the next couple of days, again, was the, one of the most bizarre episodes in Irish politics I've ever experienced. And this was this attempted reshuffle of of several cabinet ministers. And again, we have a clip here from, from Brian Cowan, um, which he basically allowed or kind of encouraged a number of his own cabinet ministers and as well as Mary Harney to resign. Let's take a listen. I wish to announce for the information of the House that the President accepting, uh, sorry, acting on my advice, has accepted the resignations of Deputies Harney, Dempsey, Ahern, O'Keefe and Colleen as members of the government. For governance, I've now decided to reassign the portfolios of those ministers who have resigned. It is my intention in due course to seek a dissolution of Dáil Éireann with a view to a general election taking place on Friday the 11th of March next. Billy, what happened then was he tried to clear out a number of TDs or ministers who were not going to seek re-election and bring in a number of people, no doubt including yourself, into senior cabinet um, with the view of saying, well, we can defend the government's record essentially to the public. But it was the most bizarre and crazy escapade that could ever really have been considered, couldn't wasn't it? Yeah, that to me was the most... Um, uh just an unusual night of circumstances and and that followed on from that particular day. So the teacher goes into the doll, advises the doll that five cabinet ministers are uh, resigning. Uh, he decides to, um, you know, uh, the 
put out their portfolios between the existing uh, remaining cabinet ministers. And then over the next number of hours, and uh, there was phone calls obviously being made to people that they, you know, they might be considered for appointment to cabinet. Uh, I knew that I could possibly be in the running for that because of the fact that Michal Martin was uh, after resigning. Yeah. Uh, Bat O'Keefe was indicating he wouldn't be contesting the election and resigning. So I was a Minister of State in Cork. I would have been the only one left. So, you know, obviously there would have been uh, a cabinet minister from Cork. And it was around 11 o'clock that night. Um, I, I got some missed calls from uh, the, the, the Taoiseach's um, uh, phones. And I knew full well then that, um, you know, he was looking to appoint people uh, to cabinet. And I actually rang my wife and saying, look, if I'm offered uh, this, um, you know, I'm right to say no, aren't I? I just felt I couldn't mm. uh, continue, you know, after what I said in terms of expressing no confidence in the Taoiseach, having offered my resignation as a Minister of State, and then to be asked to, st- uh, uh, you know, uh, accept a cabinet post. Um, for a matter of weeks? For a matter of weeks, yeah. yeah. The 11th of March was the day that was cast in stone. Yeah. And, um, you know, we just... I couldn't do that. And ultimately what happened was because the Green Party, who were your coalition partners, wouldn't go along with what I said, we, we said you shouldn't do this and don't do this, they wouldn't sit in the Dáil Chambers, they wouldn't go along with it. So ultimately Fianna Fáil ministers ended up having two or three cabinet ministries under their under their auspices for a number of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I can remember uh, ministers, you know, acting in over three uh, departments. Um, you know, the, the, the minister's titles were, you know, um, essay-linked um uh, titles, so it was, but it was just the bizarreness of it, uh, and it, then it just, you know, it was just completely chaotic. And mm. that particular morning, that the Greens refused to go into the the, the door, I think it was a Thursday morning. Um, you know, just uh, we were all standing up um, at the back of the doll where uh, members walk in, and just it, it was just shell shocked feelings around the place. I remember it vividly because there was a small gaggle of us journalists standing watching what was going on because it was so dramatic. And I remember the gaggle of you and Brian Lenham was in the middle of you, simply saying, "Go back to your constituencies and canvas. I save yourselves. It's every man for himself, or every man and woman for for yourselves at this stage, given the chaos." But what we now know. And what happened, that was the Thursday. By Saturday afternoon, Brian Cowan was resigning as the leader of Fianna Fáil, given basically his credibility was all but gone by that stage. Yes, I mean, look, once uh, a teacher can't appoint a cabinet, I mean, your credibility is, uh, you know, you're politically um, unable to operate. So, I mean, once he was uh, unable to deliver a, a new cabinet, um, I never got to formally speak to the the teacher because I never got a for, uh, an opportunity to formally re- reject uh, an appointment. Um, I don't know whether that phone call would have ever come, uh, but uh, or, or that conversation would have ever happened. But from that Thursday evening or Thursday morning onwards, it was a chaotic scene for Fianna Fáil. Um, the government was in disarray. The government was not functioning anymore. Mm. And it was just now a case of how long before um, the Taoiseach the would step down. Uh, and that's the way it operated in the sense that he remained on as the caretaker and Michal Martin then ultimately became the, the leader of the party. And we have a clip of Brian Cowan's leadership uh, speech in the Marion Hotel on that Saturday. At this crucial time, when decisions and choices have to be made by the people about the future of our country, the focus should be on what policies the political parties are offering rather than on the narrow focus of personality politics. I am concerned that renewed internal criticism of my leadership of Fianna Fáil is deflecting attention from these important debates. Therefore, taking everything into account and having discussed the matter with my family, I have decided on my own counsel to step down as Uthra on Fianna Fáil and leader of Fianna Fáil. 
Billy, once he was gone, obviously it, it, it kicked started a leadership campaign and four candidates went forward for that. Brian Lenehan, Michal Martin, Eamon O'Keeve and Mary Hannafin. Was it always a, a sure thing that Michal Martin would succeed in that? Well, from my perspective, I, th- I think it was. But listening to that clip, I think it showed the integrity of uh, Brian Cohn, knowing that, you know, uh, an internal battle that could have been difficult for the party, but more importantly for the country. Uh, and, you know, he did put on, you know, the country, the constitutional position of the Taoiseach before and above anything else. So once once he could no longer defend that position, he, he stepped down. I just think that, uh, I have to say that his integrity throughout that particular difficult period was incredible. From the point of view of the leadership issue, there was a number of factors at play here. It, it was... It, in my view, very quickly going to be between Michal Martin and Brian Lennon. Mm. Of course, there was a, a very serious uh, issue with regard to Brian and his health. Mm. And, um, you know, that was an issue of concern uh, to him, uh, to his family uh, and to many members of the party as well. You know, he was he was uh, admired because of the way he handled a lot of the issues himself, uh, uh, you know, during the discussions, during the debates. There were varying views on whether he was trying to carry too much responsibility on his own and that he wasn't maybe keeping government as informed as it should be. Like, well, that which was, was by which the Noel, was the, Noel which, Dempsey and Dermot Hearn. Which goes back to the yeah. original clip you played around Noel Dempsey and Dermot Hearn and the IMF and, and all of that. But they were the two names uh, that were very much in the fray. Uh, Brian Lenehan, because of his Dublin-based, uh, clearly we were going to have massive challenges in the capital city. Uh, there was a view that, you know, if we had a, a Dublin leader, well, then you know, we might hold additional seats uh, in Dublin. But uh, from my perspective, I just felt that uh, Michal had been a remove from uh, the whole issue because of his uh, uh, the fact he was Minister for Foreign Affairs uh, was, you know, that he wasn't involved in the day-to-day uh, issues around uh, the financial implications and the disaster that was uh, the IMF uh, and all that flowed from that. Did the fact that he moved against Brian Cowan make him the most likely candidate given that like it was very clear Brian Lennon's stock had faded given you know John McGuinness and others coming out saying he had been courting dissent he had been sort of encouraging people to kind of look at numbers and all that kind of stuff his credibility was definitely damaged compared to where it had been Yes, well, I mean, there was probably a lot of discussion way in advance of even the IMF coming into town uh, that, um, you know, uh, Brian Lennon, you know, was, uh, you know, talking to colleagues around the need to change leadership. Uh, He was the Minister of Finance at the time. Uh, And that was, you know, being discussed quite openly in the the corridors uh, of of Leinster House. Uh, Always denied, but it it was being openly discussed at the time. And particularly after um, the... The Galway. The Galway. Mm. So that was very, very evident. And a lot of people were very annoyed, particularly very loyal uh, Brian Count supporters were very annoyed uh, with Brian Lennon uh, on that particular issue. In fact, I think they were more annoyed with Brian about that than they were with Michal, who came up front and put down a motion of no confidence. Yeah. And what was clear, because Eamon O'Keeve actually came second in the leadership campaign, and my read of it was that the Brian Cowan loyalists went Eamon O'Keeve as almost uh, two fingers to Brian Lennon as a bit of payback for, for the shenanigans that went on. You came back after that last election, or that 2011 election with only 20 seats, and obviously Brian Lennon obviously was to sadly pass away a few months later. But I remember thinking you, you told me about that sense you had when you were in the seat in the Dáil Chamber and you watched these waves of Labour and Fine Gael TDs come in and the sheer number of them was sort of overwhelming. It must have been a very surreal moment from a Fianna Fáil perspective. Well, it certainly jolted you into the reality of the new political landscape that we faced. Uh, I think Fine Gael won 76 seats, uh, Labour 37. 37, uh, yeah. So it was a huge uh, majority. Uh, you're sitting there. The only issue that you know gave us some little bit of comfort was we were actually third. Yes. 
So we were the lead opposition party. Now, I mean, we did spend a bit of time uh, licking our wounds, um, you know, just just being there rather than actually making any major contribution. The, the political debates were minimal in the sense that the Fine Gael Labour Coalition had no choice but to follow the four-year plan anyway. Now they can dress it up any way they like, but it, it was, was the four-year plan. It was a four-year plan and it had to be implemented. You know, there was changes around the edges, but the, the general trust of the plan was as it was uh, and they started to implement that. But yes, I mean, I, I sat in, in that chamber, 20 of us. Um, it was devastating to see just the sheer number. When I was used, I was used to going to parliamentary parties where there could be close to a hundred between TDs and senators. Mm. Uh, and now all of a sudden you had you had the, 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 a shell of a political party. In terms of the, uh, you know, we're 10 or 11 years on in terms of a postscript, I mean, Fianna Fáil were, were so dominant for so long. I mean, looking at where they find themselves, you know, the last business post poll had them at like 15, have you guys at 15%. I mean, it, is the days of a Fianna Fáil being a 40% party over? Well, it's, we're a long way from that. There's no point in saying otherwise. Uh, there's a new political landscape. Um, you know, the the fact of the matter is it was Fianna Fáil versus Fianna Gael and Labour for the, the vast majority of the foundation of the state. Uh, we're now in a situation where you've you've three parties that, you know, are of a reasonable political size and then you've others beyond that. So the landscape has changed and it has changed um, uh, forever. Bearing in mind, we're also in government with uh, Fianna Gael. And, you know, we, we supported them in a confidence uh, and supply arrangement in advance of the last election. So the old view out there that it was Fianna Fáil versus the rest is, is now long gone. Yeah. So, I mean, from a political perspective, you know, we are going to have to uh, not depend just on traditional votes anymore. We're going to have to be a party that stands for issues, that campaigns on issues, and that tries to identify key areas where before we were trying to grasp the entirety of, of the political spectrum. I just don't believe that's a space that we can, uh, you know, say we can dominate anymore. Mm. Bearing in mind, you have uh, Sinn Féin on the left, you Fine Gael right of us, we're in the centre. So we have to try and find a, an area in there that, um, you know, we advocate for and speak to and listen to. How would you assess Michal Martin's legacy so far as both as leader of Fianna Fáil and then as Taoiseach? As leader of Fianna Fáil, I mean, he certainly worked exceptionally hard to try and build the party um, after the 2011 election. Bearing in mind there was 20 of us, uh, we did have a success in the next election. We went to 44 seats. Uh, we did that primarily uh, because, you know, there was a few uh, worked hard on the front bench. Michal Martin was performing well as, as a leader. Uh, there was no political dissent within the party. You know, there, there was a, a common purpose and we got to 44 seats. I think the issue uh, strategically uh, in terms of the confidence and supply uh, was a difficult decision to make. There was no choice at the, at the time. I, I actually felt, being truthful, that, you know, where we were, we was as well off to go into a coalition arrangement with Fine Gael rather than supporting him in a confidence and supply arrangement. Uh, but extending the confidence and supply from the three years to the fourth year, I think, was uh, a major misjudgment, yes. in, in my view, because it, it it fermented in the people's mind that, you know, to get rid of Fianna Gael, you also had to get rid of Fianna Fáil. And the only way you could do that was by voting for others. And that was primarily Sinn Féin. Sinn Féin yeah. And I just think we give the public a binary choice, uh, which, in my view, is why uh, Sinn Féin ended up, uh, you know, with 37 seats in the last general election. So I think that political decision um, of extending the confidence and supply. Bear in mind, we'd done what we did, primarily out of um, the interest of the country, stability for government, three years. You know, we used Brexit as a reason for not having an election. The UK had elections right throughout Brexit. Uh, you know, I don't think we had to go for the fourth year. Once we went to the fourth year, 
we were always uh, sowing in people's minds that it was a, a, a binary, binary choice. choice yeah. A lot. There's been a lot of talk in the last year. It's my last question. There's been a lot of talk in the last year about when Michael Martin should stand down. Some have said he should go this December. You know, when he when he gives up the Taoiseach's office. Some are saying, listen, he'll be thorny for a bit, but he needs to get out before the next general election. Have you a view as to when he should go? Well, certainly. I mean, I'm an MEP now. I mean, so I don't have a view on on when he can go. Uh, in the sense that I don't have a vote for for, for that, as TDs alone will decide. Uh, you know, I'll have a vote in who replaces uh, Michal Martin whenever that happens. But certainly, you know, everybody has a lifespan in politics. Um, um, you know, when you feel that you're no longer contributing, is is obviously a, 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 something that any individual should make a decision on that. But Michal has contributed, I think, quite a lot, uh, is still very much uh, involved in, you know, trying to set a new template uh, around uh, public debate. Uh, when I look at what he's done for the party in terms of cohesiveness, you know, there there isn't much rancour within the, uh, the party, uh, but we have major challenges as a political organisation. Number one, um, our, our demographics. Um, you know, we, we need to attract more young people. Um, certainly on issues around Northern Ireland, for example, there is a view that maybe we should be more proactive mm. in talking about the constitutional realities that may... What does uh, this have to do with Michael Martin's well, they, well, they're, 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 they're all issues around, around you know, when uh, you know, decisions are, are, are being made about yeah. leadership. But at the moment, I don't see that being a, a major discussion. And you also have to ask yourself a question. You know, if you are talking about leadership, well, then others uh, have to be there as well if you're talking about replacement. Yeah. You know, it's, it's fine for people to say, well, you know, have a leadership challenge in any political party. But that can only arise if there are others offering. And you're saying there's an absence of would-be challengers? Well, I certainly rule myself out anyway because I'm no longer a TD. Very good. Well, my thanks to Billy Kelleher for being my guest today. The podcast was produced by Paul Hosford and Danny McConnell. Join us next time for another episode of Let Me Tell You from the Irish Examiner. Thank you very much for listening and bye-bye for now. <laughs>